Well, this is our last chance here. It's the last day of the feast. It's been a delight being with you. How many were here last night? Okay. How many, this is your first time for the weekend? This is, okay, great, great. Um, glad you made it. We're, uh, I want to just give you a little background. As uh, Pastor J.O. said, uh, they were with us for several years. They were our, uh, our children's youth pastors. And Jonathan came with us in 1995 to Pocatello, Idaho, in the middle of winter, uh, and we, we went there to see my son, who is now the pastor of our church, Chris. Uh, he won the state basketball championship that year, and uh, we came back in the middle of a, of a snowstorm. It was just crazy. But Jonathan was there, and uh, Jonathan Ray Dean have, have just poured into our family and our church. We were delighted. that We were so sorry they left, but they were going in the will of God. They were getting prepared to start this church. And I'm telling you, they have done an extraordinary job. I mentioned this first service that uh, uh, if you labor in another man's field, God will give you your own. And that's what happened. He was a faithful. They both were faithful in their ministry in Boise. And they just did a great job. We still talk about things that occurred when uh, J.O. and Ray Dean were there and how great God just uh, visited us, and it was an amazing time of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And it was, uh, it was, a, it was an, a, a visitation of the love of the Father. And we just experienced that in ways that I can't even describe to you. I'll, I'll mention one thing. I'll tell you one thing. In the middle of one of our services, uh, God's moving, God's speaking, and Connie's up here, and she's walking back to her seat. I'm on the platform. She's walking back to her seat, and she gets stuck to the ground. Not physically. Yeah, physically, but it was spiritual. She couldn't move her seat, her feet. And so I was spiritual, so I was trying to you know, pull her out of that. Come on, come on, you got to get back to your seat. She couldn't move. So we sat a chair behind her and sat her down, and for an hour and a half, two hours, she was under the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God was putting within her a deep, deep reservoir of prayer, which she has uh, operated in it, a new level of discernment, new, new level of intercession. So if God does something suddenly in your life, just receive it and say, okay, God, you're, you're going to do something here that changed her life, that changed our lives, that changed our church. And so I'm, I'm here to say God does things that you don't expect. So get ready. This is a year, 2023. God's going to do some things that you didn't expect. Some amazing, powerful things that will bring us into a new level of God. Uh, my, my son and daughter-in-law uh, give greetings to you. They are a family of nine. And uh, since he's only about 25, that's amazing. No, he's... He's a little older than that, but this is Chris and Kelly, the pastors of our church. We turned the church over to them in 2016, and uh, uh, it's interesting. In, in 2011, Chris and Kelly got a phone call from the hospital, St. Luke's in Meridian, Idaho, saying, we have two baby boys, twins, that need to be, that need to be adopted. And they were on a, an adoption list, so they were called, and, 
And uh, they said, sure, we'll adopt them. So four to six hours later, they're the parents of two twin boys. Quincy on the left, Wesley on the right. And then a year, a year and one month go by, and they get a call from the birth mother of those boys saying, I have another baby. It's a little girl. Would you like to, be, would you like to adopt her as well? They said, yes. So little Whitney is the second from the left, and uh, she's uh, now 10 years old, and that we call them the big three. Uh, Connie and I actually homeschool them three days a week uh, at our house, and they're very special to us. Our church, incidentally, our church is, is, has, a, has an anointing for adoption. I'm not sure how many. Scores of children in our church have been adopted. And it's because of, uh, because of their ministry and others. And we have a foster care ministry. We actually have a house that is now recognized by the state of Idaho to place foster children in. And it's, it's just been an amazing ministry. Uh, put the, I'm not done yet, so let's put that picture back up. So, seven years goes by, and Kelly and Chris come up to us and say, uh, Dad, Mom, uh, we're pregnant. With twins. <laughs> a year and one month goes by. Dad, Mom, we're pregnant with twins. <laughs> they now have three sets of twins. You'll see them, and the, 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 we call them the little four. They're like quads because they're about the same size. And so it's, it's amazing. They're just a wonderful family, but it's a full-time job. I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, when we hear they're coming to our house, we get ready for the invasion. Uh, because it's, it's, it's quite a trip, and it's, it's just really cool. But we, we love it. And they send their greetings. Listen, Chris particularly just loves J.O. and Radine. Really poured into his life, and we're a great part of his growing up years. And uh, we just so appreciate it. It's, it's amazing. Isn't the body of Christ wonderful? And can we, can we just say we're... we're uh, we're your southern cousins. We're down there, and uh, we're we're related to you. I just really believe. I really feel the 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 knittedness, and I believe God does that on purpose. So, thank you for letting us come, and uh, th this is the last service, right? So I can go as long as I want. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the message isn't real long, but I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but as we have gone through this weekend, I want to do something right now. I want to pray. I, I just want to pray for open hearts and open minds right now. Would you just, uh, just receive it? Father, in Jesus' name, we declare this room is now open territory for the Holy Spirit to move. We pray our hearts would be open. You would begin to do things in us that we've never, ever expected or occurred. We pray right now that you would speak to our hearts and you would, you would move in our minds that we would have, Lord, a transformed thinking process that would clarify what's really going on in the world. We thank you for the kingdom of God. We thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the church, the ecclesia. You are, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but I believe God is in the process of identifying 
uh, ecclesia churches, which I call lighthouses around the nation, that have a mantle for prayer and a mantle for anointing to bring about change in regions. And then as those, as those lighthouses are deposited all around the nation, the light that expands from those lighthouses actually join together and it covers the entire nation with light. I believe you are one of those lighthouse ecclesias. Now, I can't get into it, but you need to listen to last night's message about what the ecclesia really is. The church was a term that Jesus first gave. The first mentioned principle in the Bible is Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, where Jesus comes and says, who does, who, who does everybody say that I am? And Peter comes along and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded and said, yes, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and you will bind on earth, and it will be bound in heaven. I will loose on earth, and it will be loosed in heaven. That's the first mention of church in the Bible, ecclesia. Whenever there's a first mention of any word, it means a lot to God. And then he ties the church and the kingdom together. Jesus spent three years talking about the kingdom before he ever mentioned the church. He wanted to get the kingdom into us. What does the Bible say about the kingdom? Seek ye first the kingdom. You don't seek first the church. You don't seek first devotion. You don't seek first discipleship. You don't seek first evangelism. What Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And then within that, when we begin to, if you go to Matthew chapter 6, you see all the intricacies of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is right standing, which is right relationship, then God's going to take care of everything else. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. And then Jesus comes and he puts this church thing, this ecclesia. The word for church, ecclesia, means ecclesia, ek is out of, and kaleo is out of into a purpose. So Jesus comes along, and he, he sets us as the ecclesia of the church into a purpose that he has presented. The word church is not a religious term. It is even a sacred term. Everybody knew what church was when Jesus comes along. Did you know that? They knew what ecclesia was. Ecclesias were called to actually operate in culture to change culture. And ecclesia then was, was the called out ones to do what what, what the legislative activity meant, because the word ecclesia is a governance political term. So I can, I can never figure out why all these smart experts say there has to be separation of church and state. Now, I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole other thing. You can have me back to talk about biblical worldview and all that some other time. But I, I'm here to tell, I, I can't, can't figure that because the church is to be salt and light. And we're not to just have good services. We are to develop the presence of God, which you guys do wonderful. I just, Seth and the team, good job on the worship. Did you write that last song? Yeah. Oh, that's a good song. Wow. Anyway, I just, we're, we're here to develop a landing zone for the Holy Spirit. Because what happens is, the Bible says, he dwells in the praises of his people. So wherever the praise is, God's looking around. Where's the praise at? Where's, oh, there it is. Let's go. That basically, that's what he says. 
He dwells in the praises. He tabernacles. He remains. He pitches a tent where praise and worship comes. God is here today because you, because you worshiped and praised God. And he began to pitch his tent and assemble here in this place. I believe angels are in this room right now. I believe that the Holy Spirit is active in a wonderful way. I believe all that takes place in the church. And so we're here to, to actually represent heaven. Now, oh, there's so much in my mind. Help me, Lord. Uh, we, we have to understand that when God first created earth, he actually gave co-regents from heaven that he placed on earth named Adam and Eve. They were co-regents in a sense. They were rulers that God placed here on earth. The Bible says they were to, the first words he told them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. What he was saying, he put them in a garden, a luscious place. And he said, expand this garden and make it happen all over the earth. That was their, that was their goal. That was what was supposed to happen. We know, the, we know the story. We know the conflict. We know how Satan came how what occurred and what was stolen and the usurper and everything. But Jesus now came back uh, 4,000 years after that. He came back to reintroduce all of us to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God had been planted in the garden. It had been stolen. Now he comes back to reintroduce us to the kingdom because he wants, us to, he wants to return all of us to the Garden of Eden. Now, I don't want to get any too far in there. You'll, you'll freak out. But what I'm saying, he's trying to restore us to what occurred in the beginning, what his original purpose was, was what his original intent was. And so you're going to see, I found a scripture that I'm going to talk to you about today in Isaiah that's really unique and, and interesting that I think will help you. Now, we're in a battle. We're in a battle with, with the satanic forces, but we know who wins because he already won. He took the, the keys of death and hell. Scripture tells us that. He went to hell and took the keys of death and hell. And he, he paraded Satan and his, his, his hosts before all the satanic forces. And uh, we, we see all of this occurring in Scripture. But I'm going to take you to uh, some, some things today because I, you need to understand this. If you're going to be a people of prayer and a lighthouse ecclesia that changes your region. If you do this, it will change things. Now, we're made in the image of God. Right? Okay. If you're made in the image of God, how did God create? He spoke. He spoke things into existence. So God is saying that I want you as my created beings to speak things into existence. I tell everyone when I, when I go places, the battle of the universe is around your tongue. The devil wants it and God wants it. Because see, when you, when you were made in the image of God, when you speak, you actually create life. Life forms. Do you know that the Jewish people believe that the word spoken is actually a protoplasm? That is actually, you, it's real, it's powerful, and it, it produces what you actually life it for? I don't want to get into that. But what happens is this. Watch, watch this. This is, really, this is really interesting. I mentioned this earlier. The Bible tells us that as we, the devil wants our language and our tongue to slander, gossip, you know, hate, curse, etc. God wants our tongue to bring life. 
What happens when we come to church? We worship, we teach, we preach, we prophesy, we exhort, we encourage all with the tongue. You're made in the image of God. When you come to church, you're learning to life it. You're learning to life form. Because the words that you say bring life. Have you ever had somebody come and encourage you? What does it do to your heart? It brings life to your heart. That was a word that was, was made in the image of God and was released from a co-regent. You are a co-regent with God. You're an ambassador from heaven. And you have been tasked to be, a, a, to be this, this image bearer. I, lo- I love that term. You're an image bearer from heaven that's been set on earth to do the duty of heaven and to bring earth into the realm of heaven. That's why Jesus says when you pray, Say this. Say it. Prayer isn't prayer until it's said. And so he says, say this. And he begins to say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Say this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as a co-regent, as as an inheritor, of, 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 the, of the things of the kingdom of God, as, as a person made in the image of God, as an image bearer, you are to declare the words of God and it forms life and it creates life in others, it creates life in your region, creates life in your town, creates life in your nation. I saw this work in Washington, D.C. We would come into places that were just dark and discouraged. We would worship and then we would pray. We would leave and the place was bright light. Everybody... Their attitudes had changed. The, the, the uh, congressmen and senators, they became happy and engaged. When are you coming back? When are you coming back? And it changed the atmosphere. Your words change the atmosphere. Now, i got to say one other thing. I said it earlier, but I want to say it again. In Romans chapter 10, in verse 8, 9, and 10, this is so good. The words of the Bible are inspired And this is really good. It says this. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. The word, the word of God is in you, in your, it starts in your, uh, in your mouth, in your heart. Then verse nine says that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. So it's mouth, heart. There's the order, mouth, heart, two verses. Third verse, it says, it changes. It says, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with our mouth, Confession is made unto salvation. Can I say this? If you say something enough with your mouth, your heart starts believing it. And then all of a sudden, it's reversed. Your heart believes it, and it says it because your mouth has repeated it enough. I want to say something else. Your heart only believes your mouth. That's why you've got to say the word of God out loud. That's why I encourage people to, to take the Bible and read it out loud. Your voice, it's okay to read, to hear it from other people's voice, but your heart really grabs it when it's your voice. I, it, because if you say anything enough, even a lie, if you say it enough, you'll believe it. And so we're, we're in this battle. We're in the battle of the universe. God wants you as an image maker to do certain things. You have, you have been given a task. 
You've been given a calling, and it's an amazing thing. When we get to heaven, we're going to say, Pastor Ken, you were right. This is awesome. Look at what we're doing here. Look what happened. Now watch this. So since we're made in the image of God, we have dignity and value because we're, we're God's kids. Satan, who is the destroyer, I mentioned this uh, last service, who's the destroyer, comes to ruin us, comes to graffiti us. I think that's the best word for what Satan attempts to do in our lives. He comes to write on us and graffiti us, shame us, mark us as no good. So he can show God that we're worthless. He wants to shame us. So, hey, this is your your image bearers? Look at them. So he can show God that we're worthless. It comes from the, the word worthless comes from from the idea of coins. When rubbed on enough, they actually lose their value. They would lose their value in ancient times. As if they're used enough, the coin would lose some of its value because he had the value of what the thickness was of the gold or silver. And there wasn't as much gold or silver in it anymore. Because, and it, so it became worth less. On that coin is an image. Satan comes along as you are the image bearer, Satan comes along to wear you out, rub you out, and to declare you are worthless, not worthy to be an image bearer. On each coin is an image. Satan wants to rub out the image of God, which has been imprinted on each one of you and in your heart. And once again, he wants to call you worthless. He is the prosecutor. He brings you before the judge to declare that you are no good and worthless. But I'm telling you, Jesus is your defender. And he says, no, they are not worth less. They are worth more. Because I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. You are the image bearers. Now, I've, uh, if you go to my church, our church, you will hear, you will, if you ask him what Pastor Ken likes to talk about, this is what they'll tell you. He likes to talk about seeds. Do you know that everything in the universe is a product of seeds? We have an 80-acre piece of land right next to our church. Every year they plant something else, and it's, it's always my fascinating discovery to find out what it is. They don't tell me what seed they're using. But when the crops start growing, aha, that's corn. Aha, it was this, this last time, it was, it, we had actually a, a field of hay. Alfalfa was planted. And then we, we had all, every year it's a different crop. And I just, it's, it's wonderful. I'm, 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 I'm just anxious to see what is the seed going to produce. Everything in this universe is a product of the seed. You are a product of seed. Words are seeds as well. Word seeds germinate and grow. God planted the heavens and earth with word seeds. Words that become what he decreed. Heaven and earth become what he seeded, decreed, and described with his words. The original intent, God who made man in his image and likeness partnered with man so we could be creators like him by decreeing word seeds. We're also to create gardens, as I mentioned, like Eden, filled with fruit and abundance. Your life 
should be a life of abundance because you have word seeds that you have created this great big garden around you. Gardens in the natural, gardens in the spirit. We plant words filled with life. Plant words of life. Plant them in the heavens. Plant them in the earth. Plant them in your life. Plant them in your business. Plant them in your children. Plant purpose-filled seeds. Genesis 1.11 says this. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. This, their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Now, you think, well, that's not so profound, Pastor Ken. I know, if you plant an orange seed, you get an orange tree. If you plant an apple tree, but we don't practice it very well. Because we also are given a mantle of sowing seeds in the spirit. And we have to life it. Words are very powerful. They lose power and they release potential. They release strategies that can be acted upon. Nothing activates the kingdom of God and the angel armies like the word of God. The Holy Spirit hovers until he hears the word of God, which then activates his power and his kingdom resources. That's why Psalm 103 verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. In other words, angels are right now waiting for your word to be dispelled or expelled from your mouth so they can activate on that spoken word. Wow, this is so good, Pastor Ken. Thank you for telling me this today. So the heavens and the earth are made to respond to the voice of God's word. That's what it's all about. We are, we're carriers of his word when we're activated at our new birth. Now think about this. The answer to chaos, disorder, barrenness, and darkness is the declared word of God. It's not hoping something changes or putting more money in it. That's not the answer. In Genesis 1, God says that living things produce after their kind. The word kind means species. means species. Living things produce their own species. Everything produces after its kind. The seed is in itself. Everything is actually in the seed that it will eventually become. The kind of seed determines the kind of fruit that it produces. Without a seed, there's no fruit. There's no animals. There's no humans. The DNA in the seed determines what it is going to be. That's why in Galatians 6, 7, 8, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Whatever is sown produces after its kind. Whatever. That means anything. If you sow rebellion, you reap rebellion. If you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. 1 Peter 1.22, it says, For you have been born again, that is, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose, not of seed which is perishable, but from that which is imperishable and immortal, that is, through the living and everlasting word of God. You were born through the everlasting, immutable word of God. The moment you receive Jesus... God sowed his spirit and his word into your heart like a seed. 
You were born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. We are made a new creature. We have been made a new species of beings. Image bearers. And it then activates a royal priesthood mentality. A ruling species mentality. It says we will be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, and exercise dominion. The Greek word for seed is spora. It means fill with new identity, new purpose, and new destiny. When you received Jesus, you received a new spora. And you received new identity, new purpose, and new destiny. That's why the Bible says when you receive Jesus, all things become new. In other words, seed or spora means parenting seed, fertilized seed, activated seed containing genetic markers, codes, or traits, hereditary qualities and potentialities that are transmitted to offspring. A fertilized seed contains the parent's genetic markers. It holds genetic codes and generational markers. So when you were born again, God's parenting seed was sown into you and fertilized in your spirit. It was activated. It was germinated. It was lifed. Qualities and potentialities from God were then transmitted to you. I don't know if you just caught what I just said. God's seed sown into your heart produces God-like activities and genetic markers because it produces after its kind. A God's seed produces his genetic code in your spirit. You're You're born of God with his God markers in you. Through the parenting seed, character traits, mannerism, tendencies, likes, dislikes are passed on to the offspring. You ever wondered why you liked something and didn't like something else? It's in the DNA. It's in the genetic seed. And so when God's seed is in us, then certain tendencies of his are passed on to us. That's why we believe in miracles. Because that's sown in us. We, we believe that all things are possible because that was sown into us. These things are seeded into us at our new birth. We are predisposed to think with authority, to think with dominion, for dominion, for ruling, reigning, and conquering. God is in us. His disposition to always overcome evil is planted into our very nature as a part of your spiritual DNA. That's why you hate evil. That's why when something evil arises and the Spirit of God is in you, you feel something inside because the genetic marker of God is inside of you. You are an image bearer. The God says, use that seed and begin to speak forth and you can actually create things that will actually destroy the enemy. Wow. So he has seeded into the nature of his children to never give up. Rather to subdue, conquer, and reign in Jesus' name. God didn't put no losing seed in you. The tendency of God's kids is to think thoughts filled with hope. That's why you have hope all the time. Hope is a genetic marker inside of the redeemed, a genetic code in us when we let it spring up. We're the offspring of God, of the God of hope. And we're therefore joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 17, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. We have been born, now follow me, because this is going someplace. We have been born into a dynasty family of governing. 
of governing authority, the God dynasty. We must think like one, living the mandate of God to exercise dominion upon the earth in his name. To exercise dominion is not to be cocky and overconfident. It's just to rule in the humility of Jesus Christ with the words that you say. You were born of God to have dominion, not to be dominated. Your DNA reads overcomer. Your DNA declares ruler with my dad. And like your father, you as a child of God create words that are seeds. He wants you to create with word seed decrees. We're going to do something in a few minutes. Create atmospheres for miracles, an environment that produces life and destroys death. Do you know what you can do in this church? You can start. What if everybody came to church on Sunday and all they said was words of encouragement, prophetic, prayer, it's, uh, everything positive came out of their mouth? Do, do you know, do you know what, hap what happened? The place would be abuzz with miracles. You, you just created it. You see, we, we're waiting for God to do something, and he's waiting for us. He's waiting for us. He wants you to create this atmosphere with word seeds. Now, that's why demons want you to keep silent. I, I've often, I think, I've, I tell this to our church all the time, you're much too quiet. We got we to gotta say things. We got to erupt with praise and adoration and amens and declare what you know, we're much too quiet and the devil wants to silence our words in here and outside the walls because our words are powerful Philippians 2.13 says for it is God who energizes within you both the desiring and the energizing in behalf of his good pleasure God's seed in you energizes you to create God's will by decreeing his word his seed becomes a creative force in the heavens and the earth when decreed by those who have his DNA his plan is that when his heirs open their mouth, creative spheres will open. Power to change things. Bring order out of chaos. Your words create openings for God's purpose to, to occur. Your words plant the heavens. I'm going to give you a scripture indicating this in a minute. Your words produce after their kind. Produce what those words say. They subdue God's enemies. They produce God's promises. They restore our voices as God's heirs. I am here as God's offspring to declare his words of life, power, and change, words that produce after their kind. Can you say amen? amen. Words, seed, decrees that declare God's power, that scatter the darkness, and bring order out of chaos. This is the scripture I've, I've found. Just, I want to say this before I say that. I believe God is hovering today over our nation, our world, over northern Idaho, southern Idaho, and he's, uh, he's waiting for the sons and daughters of God to become the voice of God on this planet and declare his word in such authority and power that the angels are just waiting for your voice to be loosed and to be released so they can bring about angelic power, authority, miracles, signs, and wonders. And you're just waiting for God to do the miracle. No, start saying it. Declaring it. There's a scripture, Isaiah 51, 16. It says, And I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. That's a powerful. He's basically saying prayer is speech to God, making a request, but also a decree of God's promises. Prayers express confidence in God's answering abilities, or they may ask for divine intervention into a situation. 
The word as seeds out of our mouths are sent to grow in fullness until they are manifested in the heavens or in the earth. Lucifer and his kingdom seek to silence us as the body. They want our mouths closed. They don't want us to speak. Part of every demon's assignment, I believe, is to shut the mouth of the body of Christ. God's original intent was for his sons and daughters, the heirs, the joint heirs, to open their mouths and declare his words into the earth. He puts his word in your mouth so that he may plant in the heavens and on the earth. The word plant is to fix or set in place. God himself was the original gardener, and we have inherited the same job from him. Oh, you didn't catch what I just said. If we're going to do according to Isaiah 51, 16, plant the heavens in the earth, how do we do that? We take on the job of our dad. Do you know in Jewish culture, every son took on the vocation of the father? Jesus was a carpenter. You have rabbis who their sons became rabbis. That was just expected. God is expecting you to take on his vocation to plant the heavens and the earth with these word decrees because he was a gardener and we are. And that was good, Pastor Ken. Now, watch this. The entire universe is made to hearken to the voice of God. Angel armies are made to respond to the voice of God's word. Human beings made in God's image and likeness are also carriers of God's voice when they're activated at the new birth. We're to declare the words of God into the heavens, into the earth. We're to plant God's word. We're to sow the atmosphere of a region with God's word seed. When you start declaring, we start praying it. Something happens in the atmosphere. You see, you, you just think your prayers are just in this room. Oh, no, no, they're not. No. When you pray that, when you sing it, when you worship, it goes in the atmosphere of the region. And you, if, if I could only, God, would you open our eyes to see so we could see how far this goes? It changes everything. We're to sow this. We're planting gardens everywhere. In Matthew 6.10, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is a declaration. It's a commanding decree. It's calling something to be, calling something to exist. We say, will of God, be done. Kingdom of God, come. Every time you say that, that's what you're, you're inviting. You're speaking it. It's going to be done. John 6, 63 says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The mouth of Jesus opened the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to begin to move. And he wants us to do the same thing. When the sons and daughters of God open their mouths, decree God's word, it can change the atmosphere of a region. I'm telling you, the heart of the city church, there's going to be a brand new declaration and decrees that are going to come from you that's going to spread, that's going to push out. It's going to push out. It's going to push out. The, this region, those restrictions, those demonic forces that have come against us, it's going to, there's going to be a new, uh, uh, a new victory call. There's, the, the, the decrees that you will say are going to be powerful and amazing. And when we open our mouths, our decrees act as a catalyst that sets in motion a chain of events that God can use. Can you say amen? amen. We, we create with our words. 
Isaiah 55, I'm just about done. Isaiah 55, verse 9. It says, For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven. You've heard these scriptures, but we just kind of slide over them. But these, they snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. In other words, words are given assignments. Wow. And it will not return void or turn around. The promise to us is the word you decree will not turn around. It cannot be reversed. God is saying that if it's my word decreed, it's not going to be turned around on you. It shall not be negated. Hell can't do it. Lucifer can't do it. Demons can't do it. Government can't do it. Nothing can negate it. It will not be void, which means empty, effectual. It means to leak out. His word will not leak out. My word that my sons and daughters decree in my name does not return empty. In other words, God is saying, I don't give empty promises. They are full. They're effective. They do not leak. My promises are sure and amen. And through faith, we understand. We understand this, that the world's reframed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And then it will prosper. The word prosper means to push forward, to break out, to be good, to be successful, to be profitable. God decreed word becomes profitable. It breaks out of confinement. You see, what is it that confines a seed? Soil. Soil is a confinement for the seed, but the seed breaks out of confinement to produce what it is. It breaks out. Word seeds break through blockages in the heavens. It breaks through the soil of heaven and the earth, and they are made good. We're, you know, the power of our decrees is it's much greater than you can imagine. We're accustomed to living with a negative theology, that we're just downtrodden Christians and Waiting for Jesus to come. Hurry up, Lord. I'm just getting a little tired here. and Nothing seems to work anymore. And I go to church and I do this and I do that. I'm telling you, never give, give up on a seed you plant. You're an image bearer. You're a seed planter. You're a gardener. Never give up on God's word. We're supposed to make decrees that break loose hell's grip. We should be expecting to reap God's abundant life. We should expect deliverance, freedom, Prosperity, harvest, miracles, healings, signs and wonders, favor, strength, restoration, fullness, preservation, help provided, abundance to come, rest for our souls, wisdom for answers. Why? Because it's the seed in you. It's the nature of God's. God's spore is in you. So expect the parenting seed of your father to produce his nature. Expect his word to produce his life everywhere. Words are seeds. They grow and they become after their kind. You are the image bearers of God with the power of God within your tongue right now. We're going to do something. Does this make sense? So if you put, if you put Saturday night, last night's message together, the kingdom and the church, you put first service together with intercession, how I framed it, then you put the word seeds together, I'm telling you, 
you should be motivated. You should be motivated to do something. Now, this will change your, your life, your family's life. It'll change everything. You can start praying for things that God puts in you because his seed is in you. And he begins to, he begins to stir your mind and give in your heart things to pray for because faith is in there. And then you start saying it. You, st you can't think it. You have to speak it. Now, our first service, I talked about a, a mother who had 10 children, but the 11th child wouldn't come to Jesus. But she prayed and prayed and prayed. Those word seeds bear fruit. And soon he said, you know, I have two choices. I have two choices only. I can, I can uh, come to Jesus or I can make my mother stop praying. And he couldn't make his mother stop praying, so he said, I just, I must come to Jesus. You know, your words, your words can change people's lives incredibly.